Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influitive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar. Today, I'm joined by Jane Menyo, Head of Customer Marketing at Gong, that tool that your salespeople won't stop raving about. With over 10 years of experience in B2B marketing, Jane is passionate about creating powerful customer experiences and building strong customer relationships. Today, we dive into two topics that are connected, or maybe I just forced the connection, I don't know. But we talked about the customer journey and fusing advocacy throughout it. Mapping the customer journey is a popular exercise for improving general customer experience. But the customer journey isn't always integrated into your marketing initiatives. For some organizations, marketing is about getting new prospects into the door, and that's it. But Jane doesn't think that should be the case. Jane shares how she thinks about the customer journey, where marketing plays its part, and how to intersperse advocacy throughout. Hey, Jane, thanks so much for being on the show. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. Excited to be here. Appreciate it. So your role is head of customer marketing over at Gong. Uh, Can you tell the folks listening a little bit about your role and what that entails? I lead our customer marketing team. So we do everything from how we spearhead our, our advocacy moments. So how we actually engage with our customers to, you know, share their stories or their happy sentiment on our products and our brand, as well as everything we do in terms of our customer lifecycle and engaging customers throughout their journey. So, you know, all the programs that we might put in place to help do what marketers do best, which is engage with customers and be able to leverage all of our channels at our disposal to get them excited about the things that we're doing here today. We'll talk about advocacy a little bit later on, but I like that you call them advocacy moments. Is there kind of a thoughtful reason why you call them advocacy moments as opposed to other things? Yeah, no, I I do. I feel like, you know, hopefully people are once an advocate, always an advocate for your brand. But there's definitely sort of in terms of the relationship that we have with our advocates, those time and place or those moments where we're sort of coming together to bring that sentiment to life or actually be able to help foster that sort of voice that the customer has. So yeah, it is kind of like moments sometimes. And then also to just like that ongoing relationship. And we'll talk a little bit about the right time to ask for for advocacy and things like that. But I think moments also touches on this idea that they're they're sort of ephemeral, right? Like they go away if you don't act on them quickly sometimes. You know, a happy customer today isn't always necessarily a happy customer a couple of days from now. So I think calling the moments is probably a good idea. Totally. And I feel like, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously talk about the life cycle piece, but you know, it's so much about like the time and place and like, how do you sort of act fast to your point or choose the right person or company at the right time and place in their customer journey. And there's sort of like a leveling opportunity too of like the different types of advocacy acts that they can do that sort of warm them up to maybe some of those bigger commitments or, you know, more of a larger spotlight to jump into as well. So you mentioned the customer journey. Let's talk about this a little because I think the customer journey, understanding you know, their life cycle, the different touch points. It's something that's very important in customer experience in general. You know, we think a lot of it about it within CX, uh, within product development, but I feel like sometimes it can be kind of an afterthought in marketing. Like we don't always necessarily think about these customer touch points and customer journeys. Like tell me a little bit about this customer journey in your viewpoint. Like why is it so important uh, within the marketing team? When I think about the customer journey, I think of really, there's sort of three main pillars in terms of, you know, how we drive those customer interactions and sort of how we activate different programs against those initiatives. Uh, For me, I think the first is really how we drive 
retention and adoption. So, you know, how do we help those customers become successful with our products in terms of are they implementing correctly? Are they getting the value that they expected to receive when they joined us at the point of sale? And then the adoption piece of that too, it's not enough for them to just stay on as a customer, we want them to be getting success out of our products. So how are we making sure that the products we're creating and we're promoting to those customers are beneficial, it's driving change within their organization and helping them really, you know, take their opportunities to the next level. The next piece, if if all that kind of goes well, the second pillar would be more on the expansion side. So how do we then see if those customers are sort of ready for growth opportunities? And us here at Gong, that might be How are we expanding into different areas of the business that, you know, could also benefit from our products? So kind of going after that white space expansion opportunity and then also new products, too. So maybe things that the customer wasn't ready to purchase at the initial time of sale. But now that they've sort of gotten embedded with our products, you know, now is the right time. Or as we launch new products, how do we warm them up to the idea of what that could be doing for their organization and then get them excited about sort of that potential there. And then the last pillar for us too, I think is, and this is actually a big one for me, but in terms of the category dominance is a huge pillar in terms of what we want to be driving with our customers and why I think marketing has such an important role to play in the customer engagement side. There's so much that we do in the early stages of the sales cycle to, you know, show that vision of your brand and your products and what you can be doing for the customer that, you know, obviously gets them excited and convinced that they want to be buying your product. But then you as a company will continue to grow and evolve and change over the time that that customer is not any longer in those sales cycles, right? And so if you think about the customer experience for a moment, you just sort of take a moment to step back, you know, they have a very limited engagement in terms of the experience they have on the pre-sale side, right? They're working with, you know, your marketing, they're, you know, exposed to all of the content and the, the things that you're working to engage them and sort of bring them through the funnel. And then they're working directly with a, maybe a handful of sales folks, right? Or just like a very limited set of salespeople. But once they become a customer, suddenly there's all these other new players introduced, you know, there's customer success, there's, you know, your product team, education, all these other players and all these different ways that your customer now can be engaging with you as your brand, that if you aren't sort of proactively taking the opportunity to remind them of the vision of your brand and maybe where that's evolving to, they're going to be stuck in this static world where they just think of you as that original sort of pitch that they might have. And the other thing to consider too is in the sales process, particularly in you know, B2B sales, and which is sort of where I've always focused my career, you're oftentimes engaging with only like one person who's a decision maker to purchase the product or just a handful of people. But when you actually bring that product into a company, you may have like many more users that you need to educate on what your products are and and how they can be utilizing it. So there's a lot of ways that, you know, it's trying to understand like the nuances, both at the account level and then also at the user level, what you need to be educating on them and, and how to drive that. Jane's talking about a lot of different things here that many organizations don't think of as falling on marketing. Retention, since when is marketing responsible for retention? Cross-selling and upselling, isn't that an account manager's job? Depends on the organization too. You know, if it's more of like a product-led growth type of company, that might be something more the lifecycle marketers are 
accountable for. But in like a a sales driven organization, the sales team or maybe our CSM team is really helping guide that experience. So I think that's where, you know, as we map out that customer journey, it's definitely done hand in hand with our counterparts. All those stakeholders that are also engaging with the customer, you know, we're learning like, hey, what is sort of that desired customer experience look like for you all? What are those touch points that you're going to be having? And then how do we, again, use the powers of marketing to drive that message at scale to help sort of alleviate that work from having to be done hand to hand every time with every single account? Also, the opportunity repositioning the messaging and having that value set. I think there's a lot of ways that marketing can come in to sort of drive a little bit more of those actions that really helps complement the work that our teammates are doing directly with those accounts and those users. And help me understand tactically what it looks like to map this customer journey. Like, who are you working with? What tools can we look into to understand these different touch points that customers might have with us? Yeah, yeah. So I think for us, we're still building ours out. And I think always reimagining it here at Gong too. So I think we've kind of been taking it in in different phases, you know, even just at a, a base level, starting with that first year journey, and then trying to chunk out like the different stages and like the details behind what goes in that. So, you know, thankfully, I mean, I think we've got a a great and amazing customer success team here who's really thoughtful about, you know, trying to build that out with a customer first mentality in terms of like what the customers are trying to achieve and how do they design their work streams around that. So that gives us a great opportunity to then go in and say, okay, like here are sort of those touch points Where can we help give more support or where can we maybe take the burden of some of those needs with events or webinars or anything else to sort of drive that a little bit more broadly so you're not every time having to have a call to get some of those actions taken care of. Same thing with our customer account team who our account manager type team who actually helps with like the renewal process. How do we help them have that same level of what are the different touch points they're going to be involved, who are maybe the stakeholders that they're trying to build relationships with, how do we sort of warm any of those folks up to any ideas that our account executive team has? So I think it's really like an exercise of laying all the cards on the table and sort of mapping it out. Um, Tool-wise, I would say not always the prettiest thing. I think a lot of it's done in sort of like vision level at uh, more slideware and then things where we sort of build out some of those touch points. The new thing we've been working with a lot is like Miro. If anyone hasn't used Miro, it's such a wonderful environment to like map out some of these experiences and drive a lot of collaboration. So we've been doing a lot to sort of like map out this journey and bring in all of those details into a Miro board. And then of course, a lot of that detail then actually gets fleshed out in like, you know, for us, Google Docs or Google Sheets of like, okay, what are the details behind each sort of product message that we're trying to drive it? which time and place or the actions that we're trying to have with those customers. So yeah, a lot of different things that we're kind of experimenting in terms of how we flush this all out together and maintain that 360 view as well as the micro details of every um, kind of piece of the program that comes together. And you mentioned doing this from a very, you know, customer centric standpoint. And I mean, I don't know, I would imagine that doing customer journey mapping, you'd hope would be a customer centric activity, right? Because you're thinking about the customer, but what, what are the ways you think that, it is done in a customer-centric way? And which ways are people doing it that aren't customer-centric? I mean, I think if, you, if you're if you starting with what are you trying to get out of that program, flipping it from being like, okay, the goal is like renewal, right? To more, what is the customer trying to achieve here? So I think a lot of the times we may have certain actions and milestones set of here's what a healthy customer looks like and what we would think of as like 
being successful with our products, how do we take that to a level of understanding like what they came to achieve with us? And does that map up together? And actually for me, a lot of this, you know, my work kind of before really falling into customer marketing was running a lot of like solutions marketing. So I like to think about how do we actually think about those different use cases of what the customer is like looking to get out of your products? And then how do you drive that message for them? So that's where, you know, definitely can get a little tricky in the life cycle journey mapping is collecting that data and then being able to activate against it or, you know, using some of the, the metrics to actually prove out that they are utilizing your product in the way that they maybe have hoped or planned to. But I think that that's where, you know, you can see a lot of success with your customers. And again, too, kind of complementing a lot of those conversations that they'll naturally be having with your customer success team in a lot of those more one-to-one scenarios. Jane's approach here is truly customer-centric. Start with the customer in mind. Don't ask what success looks like for you. Ask what it looks like for your customer. You care about retention, I get it. But if the customer is achieving their goals with your solution, retention will be a natural byproduct. And then of course, selfishly from the advocacy standpoint, that's everything, right? We want to get people to be above and beyond enthusiastic about our product. So they're not just using them, but also then ready to tout our brand for us too. Yeah. So let's talk about that. One thing that you had mentioned to me in a previous conversation is that you're, you're sacred with your touches. You're sacred with your asks for advocacy. So how do you think about when to ask people to be advocates for you, considering it's, it's such a sacred thing? You don't want to miss your opportunity, uh, but you don't want to ask too much. Like, When is the right time to ask somebody for an active advocacy? I think it's too like kind of almost mapping out what are the different asks that we have of our customers and tearing those out. You know, I like to think about that spectrum of building up towards something larger, almost like that ladder of experiences that the customer might engage with. And a lot of those too, in terms of like, you think about it as like a low calorie effort versus like a high calorie effort, right? The thing you want to do is you're not going to come in with a customer new and you haven't built a relationship with, or they're just getting started on your products and ask them to be a speaker at your event, right? That's a lot for them to be taking on as they're kind of already going through that journey. So I think it's a matter of kind of understanding like where the customer is at in their journey. And then where can you start to introduce these opportunities for them to be an advocate. So one of the things we do here is we're using NPS scoring. So, you know, how do we capture that sentiment about how they feel about us? Not as an advocacy moment, as much as it is an opportunity for us to learn and kind of get that data on on our customers' experiences with us. For anyone who is a promoter, we then give them the opportunity to say, hey, like, would you be interested in sharing that on a review site or kind of, you know, anyone you know who might be interested in using Gong as well, like here's our referral code. So we can take those as opportunities to at least warm them up to the idea that we're here and we're open to sharing their story if they're open to it and then kind of measure from there like, okay, you know, they took the baby step with us and we're incredibly grateful for those. Some of the areas that maybe we may need more scale-based kind of volume of different voices, you know, reviews, referrals, surveys and things, and then kind of continue to build on that. Surveys is another one, too, that will sort of leverage a lot of that happy customer data and sort of see like, okay, customers are at a certain time in their journey, you know, especially like at the user level, like have they been working with us for a certain period of time and shown any of this happiness in terms of like NPS scores or anything else. 
Are they open to doing a survey and kind of sharing a little bit more, a little bit deeper about their experiences? That then gives us an opportunity to say, okay, like here's somebody who's shared something interesting that maps back to some of our key priorities of those bigger asks that we need to sort of be fulfilling of maybe stories or speaking opportunities, those high calorie moments that we now are sort of building this pool of advocates who I like to think of like everyone can be in the advocacy pool, but then we might cater out who can kind of join which types of activities. And how do you think about the makings of a low calorie ask, if you will, versus a high calorie one? So like, let's start with those low calorie ones. You mentioned things like leaving reviews on GG Crowd or whatever it might be, just general review sites. But what does it need to entail? Does it have to be like a something that takes two minutes or less? Does it need to benefit them? Does it need to come at the right time? Like, what are those makings of those low calorie asks? I think always that give get, you know, is important to think through on every one of these scenarios is like, what are you sort of getting out of those? And I think particularly like in the, in the high calorie ones, I think that's where we'll spend a lot more cycles of what's in it for them. How do we make this something that they're going to be excited to be involved with? So for us, there's like a few that sort of fit into this. We have, you know, obviously like we talked about like customer stories um, where we'd actually go out and maybe film them, get that testimonial, write, do a written interview, write their story up working a lot with Upshot. How do we maybe give them opportunities to share their story, you know, in LinkedIn. So kind of having that kind of self-authored article that we can collaborate with them on for, you know, speaking engagements where maybe they're speaking at our conferences or third-party conferences that we would work with them on that story. So those ones obviously take a lot of time commit on the customer side. Some customers, depending on like level of, you know, what they're doing in their organization are not always as available as we might hope that they would be. So I think, you know, thinking through like the what's in it for them. And then also too, you know, I always love to think about like, okay, you as a, an individual, what are you getting out of this? You're getting a chance to have spotlight. You're getting a chance to be seen as a thought leader in your space of thinking forward in terms of what you're doing for your company and like what that means for the market overall. So a lot of value that they can drive sort of in their personal networking opportunities. But then also like, how can we maybe spin our story creation in a way that highlights their company too. So when you're going and seeking approvals for a lot of these like bigger asks, of course, you need to be getting like the storyteller, the advocates blessing on those pieces. But a lot of the times you're having to go through their marketing and their PR teams to ensure that that covers off their brand as well. So now, is there any connection I can be making between some of that company's bigger mission statements, maybe things that they've included in some of, you know, if they're a public company, some of their statements in terms of like things that they're working towards. Is it digital transformation or investing in their employees? Something that we might be able to tease out in the story that has a lot of those feel-good moments all around and makes it something that we aren't just posting on our pages and like kind of sharing on our side, but the customer feels so deeply embedded in that like conversation and the things that they've shared with us that they want to be sharing it too. They're wanting to be getting that word out to their network to their company and sort of helping bring that story to more life. So I think that for me, there's a lot of ways that we can be thinking about, again, customer first, like, you know, there's a lot of things we need to be getting out of it as a company and that's where customer marketing exists. But what else could the customer be getting out of that too? It turns that ask into an opportunity, right? Like for just a traditional kind of case study, like here's what company did with Gong, but it's really much more about Gong. 
you know, you'll do it maybe when it's written into a contract to say that you have to do it. But like, how do you flip that and actually make it something that they are excited to do? And that's only going to get people more likely to say, yes, it's going to get these through the approval process a lot faster. And we talked about this being a ladder, uh, stepping stones, whatever whatever you want to call it. How do you know when it's time to move from those lower calorie asks to the higher calorie asks? What kind of momentum are you looking for before you start getting into the bigger things like a customer story, a webinar, speaking at an event? And I think just like any sort of measurement of like how apt they've been to engage with us on those. And then I think too, working really closely with our customer success teams or the counterparts who are working with those folks on a day-to-day basis to understand what's happening in their account right now. Are they in a place with us that they feel really excited that they're ready to be telling that story? Is there maybe some like new initiative that they're taking on that they're deeply embedded and trying to get solved for before they might be ready to share their story? Or maybe that's something that we can tap into. So I think it's partly looking at some of those scale-based opportunities of what are some of the indicators that show that people are maybe ready to go and then listening in. I think that's for us too, where having the opportunities to either join in those calls and those conversations or obviously using Gong too, like I can go in and listen to customer calls and sort of, hey, what happened in that last QBR? You know, how are they feeling about things? What are they excited to be talking about that I can build up a lot of that intel on my own before being ready to reach out to the customer or even the CSM to sort of uh, warm them up to the idea? How do you make sure you're not tapping into people too much? Because obviously, as you said, as you go further up this ladder, you're trying to make it more and more valuable for them. Do you think as long as you're continuing to make it more valuable, you almost can't overuse that customer? Or do you think that there's a set number of limit in a certain time frame? Like, how do you think about not trying to overexhaust certain customers? Totally. I feel like that's the hardest dance sometimes. And especially, you know, we're still a bit of a smaller team. So we haven't really built out in like segmentation in terms of how we go to the customers for what. But I think it is trying to like make sure that we're not over asking of certain customers at too many times particular when we start getting into more of like the high tier events and the high calorie opportunities. We wouldn't want to be working somebody for, you know, a speaking opportunity and then uh, send them something like a survey to be doing, right? We're suddenly bombarding with them with us. So I think it is trying to be very sensitive to that. You know, some customers are more than willing to do everything, but there's so many different things that we're throwing out there. I think our references program too is like a great indicator of people's appetite for the types of opportunities they want to do and also the volume. So with our reference program, we allow customers to tell us how often they want to be involved in the reference program. So they can kind of set that cadence for us. And then we can make sure that we're being having a really concerted effort of how we go about that and how we actually manage it right now. We're kind of using a combination of Asana boards to help us actually track a lot of that activity history and who are the targets we're going after and when and how do we prioritize those and then kind of actually like working through all of those work streams, get a lot of those actions done. I love this idea of the ladder because it's an analogy that I use a lot. And on the customer story side, I feel like customer stories, when done correctly, can be something that really lets people jump up a lot higher in the ladder. Do you think that you always have to take it rung by rung to continue beating this analogy to death? Or are there certain customers where you can go from that initial survey or review ask up to doing a customer story? Like, do you always have to kind of take these incrementally or how do you know when you can take a bigger jump with a certain customer? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it definitely jumps all around. I mean, it's like the customer journey, right? Especially on like pre-sale side, you know, we can have these preset funnels that we might think customers go through, but in reality, they're kind of 
coming in and experiencing things at different time and places. So I've definitely had moments where I've been like pleasantly surprised that someone filled out our speaker submission form and, you know, wanting to speak at our conference or submitted for an award. We didn't think there was ever a chance that they would do anything with us. So suddenly now we have that sort of indicator that, hey, this person actually is interested in sharing their story or being featured and highlighted in a way. So yeah, I mean, I think that we try to do some of the warm up at scale, but I think that a lot of the times when it comes down to those high tier opportunities, we're taking a bit more of a targeted approach. We have certain criteria and key types of stories and things that we might be trying to track down that it does sort of hit more of that time and place for us as much as it is, it is for the customer too. You mentioned that story front, you have specific stories you're trying to track down. I'd love for you to expand on that because also in our previous conversation, you talked about how, you know, it's not always just about having X number of volume. You know, we need just two stories a month or, you know, focusing on these huge logos. Like what's your approach to customer storytelling and, you know, trying to find the right customers for them? It's a great point. I think what we do is, you know, try to start with our sales team first. What are sort of the big pain points that they need customer validation on or within our product marketing team, like the messaging we're trying to tell, like, where do we need customer validation that backs up those points? And then working back to fill the stories from there. So the way I actually try to tear it out is, is sort of building out a matrix of our customer stories and then almost doing like a bit of a gap analysis in terms of the content that we have today, the level of depth that it goes into. So is it a quote, a review, a short form piece of content, or maybe a case study or a big whole, like an entire presentation, right? Like how deep did we actually get some of that content? And then sort of taking that by the priority list of the different types of stories that we have today. So, you know, maybe we're tracing down different segment types, you know, we want to get enterprise mid-market and SMB. So we have like a nice mix for our sales team, or we're trying to hit certain core industries for our business. So from there, what we can do is we can plot all of those out and say, okay, like, what do we have today at certain level of depth? And then where do we need to be going after? And then actually not just working against that, but then taking that back to our teams, the leaders on the sales team or the marketing team and getting that buy-in and saying, hey, this is where we're committing to focus and invest our energies on. Does this work for you? And then also too, I think that gives us an opportunity to say like, okay, we know that financial services is like a hot area we would love to get customer stories on, but maybe one that we know is going to be more difficult. So like, Yes, it's going to be a priority, but like there's others that we can be also filling in a little bit faster to give more in areas that we can today. So I think it's a little bit of balancing those sort of needs. And then also too, of course, taking the ones that float onto our plates as we can and sort of assessing like, hey, does this hit any of these area of needs? If so, amazing. Let's go after that. And if not, what else could we be doing for that customer? How do we still give an opportunity for them to have some level of visibility that isn't so high calorie on our side to actually take on. With our customer stories work over here at Upshot by Influtive, I've seen this all the time. Everyone wants the big logo. You want people to know that the huge brands that everybody knows uses your product. But some of the best stories I've seen and the best performing stories have come from companies you've never heard of before. You also need to think industry specific with this. When we think of big logos, we usually think about the household names, the ones my mom has heard of. But within financial services, for example, there might be a name that everyone in the industry knows that isn't a name my mom knows. Sorry, mom. But that's still an incredible name to get. I also saw something recently on LinkedIn where someone said they don't want to hear about how a big name company is using your product because they aren't at a big name company. They don't have those resources. 
they'd rather hear how a mid-sized company like them has done it with fewer resources. I think that's where your matrix of needs can be thinking for that too of like, hey, how is this going to play out for different types of recipients where, yeah, Walmart may only care what Target's doing, right? So at an ABM level, maybe you kind of do need those top tier stories to help fuel in that area. But other companies, maybe like the SMB level, like it is going to be more about that value story that you're telling that sort of helps resonate a little bit deeper. I do think about it too. I think that the logo recognition at more of the SMB level, there's so many more of those accounts. They're not always going to get the pickup in terms of like people immediately knowing who they are unless it's in their sector. So there's an opportunity to really let that human nature, the human side of that shine a little bit more of, you know, it's the people behind the story, not just the logo itself. And so I think there's ways that you can sort of help build up that person and kind of the excitement behind them and their leadership opportunities that come along with that too. So before we get to our wrap up question, what around this topic of the customer journey and marketing, you know, infusing advocacy throughout it, like what about this haven't we already talked about that you think is uh, good to get in here? You know, I'd say that just there's so much that you can learn just from having these conversations with your customers or field teams or just listening in on the calls, right? So I think for everyone, I'd encourage spend that time, whether you're on the life cycle side of the house or the advocacy side of the house of actually like, you know, getting to know your customers, like the things that they do care about, the things that they're talking about, that they're working through with your products or getting the most excited about with your products. Because I think the deeper that you understand them, the better you'll be equipped when you go in to have those conversations and try to tell that story or when you try to design those experiences for their needs. It really does sometimes like you can look at all the data at aggregate to try to understand a lot of this, but sometimes just having those direct conversations or, or consuming that that kind of feedback directly, you can sort of learn a lot there too. And so to wrap this up, what's some low-hanging fruit for the people listening? What's one or two things that they can do tomorrow to make their companies more customer-centric? Just connecting with your customers, my big one, I'd say go out, meet your customers, and then connect with your teams internally. Making sure you're not operating in a silo. Introduce yourself to like all your counterparts, you know, share the vision of like what you're trying to achieve, get them excited about it. And you're going to find a lot of partners that are just happy to sort of go on that journey with you. Especially on the marketing side, this is something that I, I feel like I find myself continuing to say. One of the biggest travesties in marketing is that we don't meet our customers. They're on the other side of the screen. We're writing this stuff for people that we don't interact with and understand. So I think it's it's great whenever you can in person have these events, have you know virtual meetups, whatever it might be. But actually talking to your customers is is a very important thing if you're trying to be more customer centric. Totally. No, I mean, you know, we we sometimes think about like, oh, like, don't don't bother, like, don't get in, interfere with anything. But like, you know, happy customers are, they're going to get excited, they're going to want to have that chance to geek out on the things that they're doing and, and share what it is specifically that they're using your your products for today. So, you know, I'd say don't be shy. I've had a lot of success of just, you know, starting with just trying to interview people to understand more about it. And then actually like, oh, like that turned into now a story and something we can be running with or someone we know down the line is like, you know, willing to engage with us. So yeah, always, always feel the need to get out there and continuously be meeting and, and learning your customers. For sure. I think it's a great point to end on. Thanks so much for being on the show, Jane. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun to take the moment to geek out on all of this with you. I love Jane's approach to the customer journey for a few reasons. For starters, it shows how marketing can be evolved throughout. It takes all of us to be truly customer-centric. All of us need to have a hand in better serving our customers. It isn't just a CS task. Even us lowly marketing folk can lend a hand beyond just getting them in the door. 
I also love how customer-centric her approach is to mapping this journey. It seems obvious that the customer journey should be customer-centric, but let's face it, we usually start with us. It's a subtle shift to always think about these things from the customer's point of view, but it's an important shift. Start with what your customer is trying to get at each of these points, not just with what you want. The final thing I connected with in this conversation is the advocacy ladder. Not only is Jane a big fan of infusing advocacy moments throughout the journey, but she knows you need to build off of them, make sure you're providing value back to the customer. By starting with these low calorie asks, you can continue to help your customers become bigger and bigger fans, climbing up that ladder. And if you're doing it right, you can also help them build their own personal brand through the right engagements. This has been the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive. I've been Dan Kalmar. Until next time, keep obsessing about your customers, but not in a creepy way.